Welcome, and thank you for joining uh, Cass County Health Department HealthCast. Our HealthCast is here to bring discussion and awareness to the services that we offer here at the Health Department, as well as ongoing and current issues in women's health. My name is Hillary Kelly, and I'm here with Louise Yale. We are both health educators here at the Health Department, and today we have a special guest. We have Emily Eichelberger, who is one of our wonderful nurse practitioners. She's here today to answer some questions about cervical cancer and the screenings that women can undergo to detect. So January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and before we talk to Emily a little bit more about that, I want to explain a little bit more about what cervical cancer is and what part of the women's body it can affect. So cervical cancer is cancer that starts in the cells of what is called the cervix. The cervix is the lower kind of narrow end of the uterus or what most people think of as the womb. The cervix connects the uterus to the vagina or what is known as the birth canal. Cervical cancer usually develops slowly over time, so it's not something that comes on uh, right away. Uh, before cancer appears in the cervix, the cells of the cervix go through changes what is called dysplasia in which the abnormal cells appear to begin or begin to appear in the cervical tissue. Um, over time, if they are not destroyed or removed, the abnormal cells may become cancer cells and start to grow and spread more deeply into the cervix and to, into the surrounding areas of the female reproductive system. So the cervix has two main parts, which I will describe. The first part is called the ectocervix, or also called the exocervix, which is the outer part of the cervix that can be seen during a gyne gynecological exam. The ectocervix is covered with then flat cells called squamous cells. Then there is the endocervix, which is the inner part of the cervix that forms a canal that connects the vagina to the uterus. The endocervix is covered with column-shaped glandular cells that make mucus. So there is a part of the cervix called the transformation zone, which is the border between the endocervix and the ectocervix and where they meet. Most cervical cancers begin in these squamous cells in this transformation zone. There are two types of cervical cancer that exist, with the being named after the type of cells that the cancer stands. So the first one is called squamous cell carcinoma, and this is going to be where most of the cancer cells cases are going to be seen, so up to 90% of what cervical cancers are. These cancers develop from cells in the ectocervix. The second type of cancer is more rare and is called the endocarcinoma, which is developed in the glandular cells of the endocervix. So in 2022, the estimated new cases for cervical cancer was 14,100 of people that have a cervix in the United States. The estimated deaths for cervical cancer in 2022 were about 4,200 people. Of these cases, cervical cancer is most frequently diagnosed among women between the ages of 35 and 44, with the median age of being diagnosed being of 50 years of, of, 50 years of age. All individuals that have a cervix can develop cervical cancer, but some ethnicities have a greater risk or have been shown to have seen higher cases of diagnosis uh, than others. Hispanics and non-Hispanic American Indian or Alaskan Natives are the higher groups of indi individuals that are diagnosed, followed by non-Hispanic Blacks and non-Hispanic Whites. So now that we know a little bit more about our background with cervical cancer, let's talk to Emily and get her insight. It's great to have you here, Emily, to discuss more about cervical cancer. So just to start out, please tell us a little bit more about your role here and how long you've been here at Cass County Health Clinic. Okay, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Emily Eichelberger. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner. 
Um, I've been here for about five years. I started in 2017, and I do primary care. I do see a lot of women and for mm-hmm. women's health and things like that. Good. All right. Excellent. So to start off, Emily, so what are some of the causes and risk factors of cervical cancer? Um, some of the primary causes are um, smoking. Um, so it's really important to s- stop smoking mm-hmm. or, you know, family practice. Your primary care could help you with that. Yeah. Um, getting vaccinated if you're under 26. It is offered at age 9 mm-hmm. and then up until 26. Okay. So we can vaccinate for HPV. And unsafe sex practices. So, you know, multiple partners, no con, you know, not protecting yourself. The mm-hmm. most important thing is to use protection. And only 5 to 10% of cervical cancer is a hereditary gene mutation. So then what can be some of the symptoms of cervical cancer if the person were to have it? Um, Unfortunately, with cervical cancer, a lot of times there are no symptoms Mm -hmm. until later in the disease process. So that makes it all the more important to make sure you're getting your annual exams. Mm -hmm. Um, But some symptoms can be like irregular discharge, bleeding, pain with intercourse, um, any irregular bleeding. Bleeding, mm-hmm. back or pelvic pain. When it gets more advanced, you can have loss of appetite, weight loss, nausea, swelling, um, things like that. So if you're having any of those problems and it's not time for an annual exam, you still need to probably go see your doctor. Yeah, very good. So when, what are some of the best tools or screenings for detection of cervical cancer then? Um, the best tools and screenings are your pap smear or pap exam and that tests for precancerous cells and any changes that might be on the cervix and then the HPV testing of the cervix as well. So then when should a person with a cervix start getting screened or tested for cervical cancer? Okay, so the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends that for women age 21 to 29, you should have a pap test alone every three years. HPV testing alone can be considered for women who are 25 to 29, but the pap test is preferred. Women age 30 to 65 have three options for testing. They can have both a pap test and HPV test every five years. They can also have a pap test alone every three years, or they can have an HPV test alone every five years. It makes more sense to just do it every five years unless there's symptoms or problems. And then after age 65, you don't have to do pap screenings or HPV screenings anymore unless you've had positive or you've had like cervical cancer or Mm -hmm. cells change or anything like that then you would do it i think they want three negative and then you can be done right right okay no that sounds like a great screening guide there for sure so then next so could you explain a little bit more of what a pap test may look like or what they can in details a little bit about what what they're expecting okay so you know they make the appointment they come in um they will do like a normal check-in with vital signs and all of that and ask if there's any you know concerns or anything that they're worried about. Right. They will be asked to take off all their clothes head to toe mm. um, to do a breast exam. We like to do the breast exam with the mm. annual pelvic and pap exam. Um, they will have a gown and a drape, so, I mean, you're totally covered. Right. Um, then usually the nurse will leave you alone to change and all of that, and mm-hmm. then the provider will come in, usually start out with the breast exam and kind of go over how to do self-breast exams at yeah. home. Okay. And just education to see, you know, do they have a history? Should we start that kind of screening earlier? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we move to the actual, like, pelvic exam. They'll ask you to scooch off the table. You're going to feel like you literally might fall off the table. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But it, you don't have to be there for very long. I say it only lasts a little bit. Yeah. Right. And then it's over. That's the best mm-hmm. part. But there is a speculum, and it will be inserted 
and it shouldn't be painful. It should just be like pressure and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Then the provider will also insert hands and do like a bi-manual exam where they push on your ovaries and push on your uterus just to make sure everything is where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And then usually it's about a week for the lab results to come back and we'll know more at that time. Great. So then what are ways to prevent the risk of potentially developing cervical cancer, Emily? Okay, that's a great question. The most important thing is if you're of age, um, get vaccinated. That really gives us the greatest risk, um, you know, to reduce the prevalence of HPV. Yeah. Um, And use safe sex practices, you know, definitely use condoms. Mm -hmm. And stop smoking. If you're a smoker, you need to seek help with that and at least reduce your smoking. Mm-hmm. Try to quit. Yeah, I say vaping as well would probably be yes. Uh, yes, a part of that too. I think people think vaping is better than smoking, but yeah, those are some great ways to reduce your risk for sure. So then, Emily, so what are some potentially some common myths that would deter a person with a cervix from getting screened? Um, a lot of younger people are just scared because it's painful and awkward. Mm-hmm. But once you get over that, you know, talk with your provider, go to somebody you trust and you're comfortable with. Right. And it, is a lot easier. Like I said, it's not comfortable, but it's not, doesn't take forever. It's real right. quick and it's over. Yeah. And the amount of, you know, screening we're able to get is huge. So it's definitely worth it and needed. Okay. Um, a lot of people think if you get your pap smear results back and it says abnormal cells, that instantly means you have cancer. That's not the case. Um, to be referred on for like different kinds of testing, you would need to have a positive, like some abnormal cells and a positive HPV. So you can okay. have, like, abnormal changing cells, and then usually we just repeat it in a year. Right. And then it can be gone. Yeah. So not yeah. a huge deal, not right. automatically cancer, which can be scary for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people think, you know, if you've only had one sexual partner or you're not sexually active, it isn't necessary, and that's just not true. Um, it's still important to get screening. Okay. Good. So then if cervical cancer or, like, an abnormal pass pap screening is detected, what would be the next steps or treatments for that person? Okay, if you just have abnormal cells in your pap smear report and no HPV, we will just repeat it in a year. Okay. Um, or, you know, if anything changes or any symptoms occur. Right. If you have both the abnormal cells and positive HPV, uh, since we're family practice, I would refer you to a gynecologist. And mm-hmm. what they're going to do is called a colposcopy, where they do a biopsy of the cervix and then further test the cells Um, And then kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, they get a treatment plan established there, and then they're they're just followed up every year. Okay. So then, Emily, where can an individual get screened for cervical cancer? Okay. The usual place is, you know, their gynecologist. um, But a lot of family practices do offer them. Mm -hmm. So you just need to check with your PCP to see if they can do them. Um, I know I do them every single day. Yeah. It's just easier for some people, right. more accessible. So, like, why not get them screened? And if there's something that we need to refer after, then we can guide them in that. Okay, thanks. So, with early detection, uh, cervical cancer is very treatable. So, doctors estimate cervical cancer prognosis by using what's called statistics collected over many years from people with cervical cancer. So, one statistic that is commonly used is making a prognosis is the five-year relative survival rate. The five-year relative survival rate tells you what percentage of people with the same type of stage of cervical cancer are alive five years after the cancer was diagnosed, compared to people with, uh, within the overall population. So, for example, the five-year relative survival rate, survival rate for a cervical cancer diagnosis at an early stage is 92%. 
This means that people diagnosed with early stage cervical cancer are at 90 or about 92% as likely as people who do not have cervical cancer to be alive in five years after diagnosis. So some five-year relative survival rates for cervical cancer are of what follows. So when cervical cancer is diagnosed at an early age, the five-year relative survival rate is 92%, so pretty high there. Um, when, cer- when cervical cancer is diagnosed after it has spread to nearby tissues, organs, or regional lymph nodes, the five-year relative survival rate is 59%. And then when cervical cancer is diagnosed after it has spread to distant part of the body, the survival rate is 17%. So then the five-year relative survival rate for all people with cervical cancer is 67%. So with early uh, treatment um, and early diagnosis, their survival rate is pretty high there. So the rates of new of new cases and deaths from cervical cancer has definitely de- decreased over the years due to the fact of earlier and regular PAP and HPV screenings. So the earlier you can catch cervical cancer, the greater chance of treatment and survival. So for those individuals that are in need of screenings for cervical cancer, please feel free to contact us here at Cass County Health Clinic if you are a resident in the area, or you can call your local clinic or doctor's office to get one scheduled. For those individuals that might not have insurance or the coverage for cervical cancer screening, Illinois has a great program called the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program, or IBCCP. This program offers free mammograms, breast exams, pelvic exams, and pap tests to eligible women. So to be eligible, you must be a woman who is living in Illinois, are without insurance or are between and are between the ages of 35 and 64 years of age, with some younger women possibly being eligible in some certain cases. So even if you have been diagnosed with cancer, you can still receive treatment if you qualify. Here at Cass County Health Clinic, we are a local IBCCP agent agency and can assist women with seeing um, if they are eligible. You can call us at 217-452. 3057 and ask one for one of our nurses or ask for Louise. Otherwise, women can call the Women's Health uh, Health Line at 888-522-1282 or toll-free at 800-547-0466. So I wanted to mention a little bit about tobacco cessation because it's been mentioned throughout our podcast that quitting uh, tobacco usage, whether it's smoking, Um, any type of e-cigarettes or vaping, anything at all. So always, you can always reach out to us here at the health department for more information and getting assistance from our staff to, you know, help quit. Um, Again, our phone number is 217-452-3057. In addition to that, there is an Illinois Tobacco Quit Line. So the Illinois Tobacco Quit Line is available to help anyone who is seeking to quit smoking. So if you call and you find that you are eligible, you might receive free nicotine patches, gum, and lozenges. So there's a lot of help available to anybody who needs it. The quit line number is one eight six six quit yes So Q-U-I-T-Y-E-S. So we wanted to give a great big thank you to Emily Eichelberger for taking the time to visit with us this morning and talk a little bit about these screenings and cervical cancer. We really, really appreciate the work that she and our wonderful nurse practitioners and physicians provide to our communities, and we hope to have more conversations in the future. So that is all for today. We hope this HealthCast has been informative and helpful to our listeners. 
We bring information to you to educate and enlighten the public on the importance of various health concerns and topics that would be beneficial to the improvement of health and well-being for the community. Funding for this podcast was provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health, the Office of Women's Health. The Cass County HealthCast is a project of the Cass County Health Department in Cass County, Illinois. Information given in today's podcast is not the personal opinions or views of those speaking and is an information gathered and distributed for the sole purpose of health education and promotion. If you have any questions or you would like to suggest a topic, please call the Cass County Health Department at 217-452-3057 and ask for Louise or Hillary. Also, please visit us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and visit our website at www.cascohealth.org. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay well.